Peace is what is longed for um, all times of the year. It becomes part of our decor this time of the year. And it becomes a hope uh, for us and, and a longing and an anticipation for all of history. Since humanity has begun and then the fall of mankind, people have longed for peace. And we've looked at the different types of peace that people long for. Harmony among other people. Ceasing of wars. And an internal peace. So inside you is there this anxiety, this turmoil. People look for peace in lots of ways and lots of places. And we discovered that those sorts of peace are only found in Christ. So this morning we're going to see that this thing called peace. But what's interesting about it is it's not just in this life. It's not just a ceasing from wars. It's not just a turmoil in the heart that's been corrected. No, as Peter called it, he says, the good news of peace. Wouldn't be good news if it, if it ended when you ended. That's not very good news. Or Paul called it the same when speaking of the whole armor of God. He said that you have shoes on your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So what is this good news gospel of peace? Why does it matter? Is it necessary? And what does it have to do with Christmas? What does it have to do with Christmas? And so I'll start there. What does this peace, this gospel of peace have to do with Christmas? Well, there would be no peace if there were not Christ had come. And if Christ had not come, there would be never any world peace. There would never be any internal peace. And today, as we're going to discover, there would never be any eternal peace. Any peace in your heart. Any, any satisfaction in your soul with God and who He is. So Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to look this morning. In this passage, you're going to see just how beautiful it is. Actually, how miraculous it is that we could ever have peace because of who we are and what it took for God to bring peace. Romans chapter 5. I'll read from verses 1 through 11. This Bible titles us this section, Peace and Joy. Romans 5, this is God's word, says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were God's enemies, 
we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's amazing to think who we were and how God interacts with us. How He demonstrates His love for us. How He comes to us. You read in verse 1, we have now been justified through faith. We have peace with God. It's necessary. Some people don't think it is. Because they're not very convinced that they're at war with God. But this passage tells us otherwise. We have peace with God and we understand how it happens. If there is any sort of war or or needing of reconciliation with God, there needs to be a solution. Because this God who created heaven and earth and who has created the afterlife and there His presence is beautiful and glorious. If anyone ever wants to be with God in heaven forever... What if they have a war in them? What if they are opposed to God? What if they are living contrary to God? Well, they need to be first at peace with God. And verse 1 tells us it happens through our Lord Jesus Christ. What what does this peace entail? Well, verse 2 tells us that through Jesus we have gained access into grace. In which we now stand. The only way that we are able to stand before God. And not be burnt to a crisp immediately. And have his wrath pour out on us. At all times in full strength. Is through Jesus. Through Jesus. We have gained access. By faith. It's not through you working to get to know Jesus. Or smarten up and look like Jesus. Or or do enough so that Jesus likes you. It's not that. It's not you becoming Jesus' buddy. It's not you knowing His name or knowing about Him. It is by faith. It is by a trust in this Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you have access to the Father. To to the grace in which we now stand. We could not stand if it were not for grace. And the only way to receive this this favor, this this undeserved favor, undeserved mercy and compassion, the only way is by faith in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you understand that the idea that we have a Christmas is this coming of Jesus. Who, Who was He? How is it that He is so important that He could be called the Lord? And the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This is the Jesus we think of at Christmas. He is not simply a cute baby in a manger. And it was a silent, lying night. It's not a silent night. It was a screaming baby. But is that what Christmas is all about? Is a baby. And some shepherds. And Mary and Joseph. And a star in Bethlehem. Is is that what the season's about? Is it about gifts? And the wise men brought gifts. Is that what it's about? Well, it's about this man, Jesus, but who he was. He was Lord. He was Christ. And it's only through him. 
Only through him that we have access to God. And so if there is no Jesus, there's no access. There is us standing on our own merit, our own list of righteousness, all that we have been able to accomplish and do, it's us. But we can't stand on that. But instead, we have access through our Lord Jesus. And it's only through Him, it says, that we have peace with God. And there, I love it says at the end of verse 2, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's speaking future, looking ahead to the glory of God and the, the standing in His presence. Every time someone came into the presence or the glory of God, what happened? They fell face down. They couldn't stand in God's presence. He was so holy. So here we rejoice at the hope of the glory, that this anticipation, this longing for that glory of God one day will be accessible to us. What I love about the scripture is it tells us that we have seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we have this glimpse. Though now we see through a veil, then we will see fully and we rejoice in that day. But it says, what's amazing is how this transforms us. How this peace that we have with God actually transforms the way we live. Verse 3 through 5 tells us that we don't only rejoice in a hope of a beautiful thing that is um, like hopeful. That is the glory of God in heaven. But instead it says, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because... We know that suffering produces something. God gives us something through our suffering. He gives us perseverance, and that produces character, and that produces hope. And that hope does not disappoint us. Because, here's what God has done. It says, God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. Last week we talked about a person having anxiety and turmoil in their heart. And, and how, how in the world can we ever relieve that? The, the world offers you a hundred things. Just make more money, uh, have a more secure uh, retirement savings, all these sorts of things. And then you'll, you won't be as anxious. Well, that's not true. It's all false and it can all collapse in a second. So how do we actually have peace in our hearts? Well, here we learned last week that it's when God pours out into our hearts the Holy Spirit. And He produces that fruit of peace in us. In John chapter 16, He's, he's preparing His disciples for turmoil because He's about to die the very next day, a, a criminal's death. And so He's preparing them for a hard time. And what He tells them is that He's going to leave His peace with them. And he tells them it's in the person of the Holy Spirit who would dwell in them. And with them forever. And that's how they would have peace. That they would not need to have anxiety tomorrow when, when Christ is taken and nailed to a cross. That they wouldn't need to have turmoil in their hearts when things go wrong in their lives. But they would look and, and, and trust in the Holy Spirit's leading and teaching them that God is trustworthy. That God is still in control. That God is faithful and has good in mind. And His glory in mind. And so here, it tells us that this hope is that God has poured His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. We're recipients of something. The Holy Spirit and His love in our hearts. And then verse 6 says, You see, just at the right time, 
That's an interesting phrase because it doesn't only mean at the right time in history did Jesus come into the world. It was the perfect time. And what's amazing about the time that Jesus came is, is our entire calendar is surrounding, you know, before Christ, after Christ. Our entire calendar, whether people want to recognize Jesus is important or not, their calendars are based upon his year of birth. And so it's important there that you see, you see just at the right time he came, just at the right time, but it's not only then, it's at the right time in your life. He says, at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You were still powerless. It's not as though you had gained some sort of strength or you'd got yourself together or you'd done something good to be able to cling on to God and do what He requires. No, no, it says you were powerless. That's the right time. When you were weak, right when you were weak, at that right time, Christ died for the ungodly. It tells us something about ourselves. Two things, powerless and ungodly. But, it says in verse 8, God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's important. That's important for us to to note, to, to memorize, to realize, is that while we were still sinners. It wasn't because someone had done some real soul searching that Christ died for them. It wasn't because of anything in them of, of any merits, but it was while they were still a sinner, while they were still weak and powerless, while they were still ungodly. That is when Christ, Jesus Christ, the one who came in the manger scene, lived a perfect life and died, it said, for sinners. Died for us. And verse 9 tells us, through His blood says what? We've been justified. So, God has many roles in our life. As judge is one of them. So as judge, he sees our records of wrong. And what's interesting is the records of wrong just aren't um, general. But they're all against him. Every bitterness in your heart, every anger outburst, every unkind word, every ungrateful moment, every lustful thought, Every moment of drunkenness, all of those things are against God. And so he sees this this list that you have standing on, on your account. And as judge, he should say guilty, 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 guilty. Ungodly is evidence. Sinner just means you live apart from God. So there is before him. So in in his legal sense, as the judge, he says, Yeah, the, the case is pretty clear. You know, you have to plead guilty. You got nothing. But here it tells us that we can be justified, that he can stand in his courtroom and say, just, acceptable, allowable. You can be justified, but it's through Christ's blood. Because that list, that, that not being just, that being ungodly, separates us from God. And not just for a moment. And not just in, in the moment of sin. But it separates us from God for all of eternity. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. And death is separation. The wages of sin is death. You are separated from God for all of eternity from His favorable presence and mercy and love. You're separated. 
And so, therefore, you need something to, to bridge that gap. How do you be reconciled to God? Well, it says here that you can be justified, so it will take care of your legal standing before God, that you will be counted as righteous, that you will be counted as holy before God, that that door that was once closed is now open to you, even though while you were still a sinner, He died for you, because it's through His blood that you can be justified. Think about that. It's His blood. And Scripture tells us that without the, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, right? So, if Christ had not come into the world, and, and taken on flesh, and lived the perfect life, and, and died and shed His blood for our sins, would we be justified? Or would we be trying to make up excuses about why we did what we did? We would. You know it, I know it. We're excuse makers. We would try. But we would stand not justified, we would stand condemned. Here, it tells us, not only do we have peace with God, access to God, we rejoice in God. He has given us His Holy Spirit while we were powerless, while we were ungodly, while we were still sinners, He died for us. It says, since we've been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Saved through Him. It's amazing what Christ has accomplished. But look at verse 10. It says, For if when we were God's enemies... We've got to pause right there. Because too many people don't hear this. They don't see it. They don't believe it. When we were God's enemies. All of us in this room were God's enemies. It's either past tense or it's present. Enemy of God. What does that even mean? To be hostile to God. Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh, like you do what you want to do, you run the show, you're in charge, the mind set on the flesh, it says is hostile to God. Colossians 1, 21 says, You who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. What does that even mean to be hostile to God? It means hate God. You hated God. Either past tense or present, you hate God. You know, if your kids ever said, I hate you, whether to a sibling, or maybe to you, or maybe you were one of those kids who said, I hate you, you just feel the sting of those words, don't you? I hate you. That's an awful phrase. I hate you. Like, it makes us feel something. Like, nobody likes that phrase when they actually listen to it. I hate you. But that's what it says. We hated God. That's hostility to God. Jesus himself said, The world hates me because I testify that they are evil. Jesus also said in John 15, They have seen and they have hated both me and my Father. They hated me without cause. They hate Jesus. How could anyone hate Jesus? How can anyone hate the God who made them? The God who gives them breath and sustains them? How can anyone hate God? We all were haters of God. Romans 1.30, when it's painting this brush stroke of different types of sinners, 
It ends the list with, and they were haters of God. God, I hate you. Do you feel the weight of those words? A hatred to God. So that's why Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12, consider him, Christ. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. The creator endures hostility, endures hatred from sinners. And he doesn't just ignore it. He doesn't just, in a moment, judge it. He comes and he tries to resolve it. But he doesn't just try. He succeeds. He does it through Christ. It says, in verse 1, we have peace with God. You are a hater of God. You are an enemy of God, verse 10 says. Verse 1 says, we have peace. That's incredible. That's the message of Christmas. That's the real peace. At the heart of all other peace. At the heart of world peace. At the heart of peace in your own heart and turmoil in your own life. It is having peace with God. Not hating Him anymore. It says in verse 10, If when we were God's enemies, then we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. How much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We're reconciled. We were far off. We hated God in all of our sinfulness. Everything we did was for ourselves and against God. Don't ever be fooled to think, well, a person who's not living for God is not a big deal. They hate God. And remember that about yourself. If God has so saved you, remember that. You hated God. He hated Christ. That is devastating. That should be the most devastating thing in the world. But that's where Paul and Peter refer to this gospel as the gospel of peace. Gospel being good news. There is good news that there can be peace even for the haters of God. For those who are hostile enemies of God, there can be peace. There can be reconciliation, a repaired relationship. Where do you even start? You hated God for how many years? Everything you did was in hatred for God. Where do you start? How do you fix that? We try, don't we? We try some things and and they fail. But Christ didn't just try. He accomplished reconciliation by His death. He bought our reconciliation with His own blood. That's how we have peace with God. That's why verse 11 tells us, not only is this so, but we also rejoice. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. We've received it. We are recipients, not contributors to our reconciliation. Normally when two parties have to make up, there's two parties that got to make up. Here, it is we are the ones in the wrong. But yet, God is the one who fixed it. That is amazing. It should astound us again and again and again that we have received reconciliation as a gift through His death and resurrection. So that's why it says we rejoice in God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is where joy is found. If you want to talk about peace and joy and hope at a season of Christmas when people are just crazy, it's because they've missed the message. That we were haters of God and God has made us right with Him through this Jesus. That's why this Jesus came. He didn't come to just give you this nice story of this, this willing servant named Mary and this like scared guy named Joseph who like did the right thing anyways. It's not what it's about. It's about being made right with God through Jesus Christ for the haters of God to now be called friends, to be called sons and daughters, to be called beloved, to be welcomed into His presence now and for all of eternity. That's what Christmas is about. It's about this gospel of peace. The hope of reconciliation that's only found through Jesus. Verse 1 tells us, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we think about, well, how, how is the world ever going to accomplish world peace? It won't. Because people will not be at peace with God. Therefore, their hearts will always be unsettled. They'll always be selfish. Even within relationships. How will relationships ever be repaired? They won't. Because we are at war with ourselves and our own selfishness. Until we surrender ourselves to the goodness of the gospel of peace. Which says, if you recognize that you hate God. And you recognize that you're a sinner before God. And that you have this chasm between you and God and there's nothing you can do to get to Him. There's nothing you can do to repair that relationship. You're not at peace with God. There's something in your heart that tells you that day after day after day. How are you going to do it? Scripture tells you again and again and again by faith. Just trust. Just lean upon this Jesus. He's the one who came for you, lived a perfect life for you, and died for you. But He didn't stay dead. He rose so that through His life we may have hope. That there is peace with God. That the Savior wasn't just a fluke. That it wasn't just this guy who happened to know the story. But instead it is the Lord of glory. That He is the one who has come to live for His people and die for His people and live again for His people so that we might live with Him. We embrace Christ. We trust Christ. We look to Christ. But never let us ever forget that we hated God. That'll, that'll stir up the greatest worship in you. When you remember, like, while you hated God, while you were His enemy, while you were ungodly, you were literally spitting in His face and He said, I love you and I'm going to die for you. It makes no sense. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's this gospel of peace. That we can have peace and reconciliation with God, so therefore we rejoice. We rejoice in God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's by Him we have access. It's by Him we have peace. It's by Him we have reconciliation. This is why Christmas is so important. Because it celebrates the first coming of Jesus. Coming into the world to save sinners of whom I and you are the worst. But remember what He has done. He's reconciled you to God. And so then you don't have to live with the guilt of being a hater of God. Yes, your sin still says, I prefer me over you, God. It still has hints of hatred in it. But He's so transformed our heart that at the heart of who you are, you now say, I want to love Jesus with all that I am. I have an affection for you, O oh God. I love you, even though sometimes my actions still say, I hate you. We love God because of Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit in us. 
We've received this reconciliation, so therefore we rejoice. And we rejoice that we have this gospel of peace, not only for ourselves, but for all who we come into contact with. Tell them they can be at peace with God. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians that we, have, we are now the ministers of reconciliation. Like This is our task, to take this message to the world, to say, listen, you're not right with God, and I think you know it. But you don't have to do this list of things where you think you've got to toil for God and become something first. It says, while you're still a sinner, by faith you're just trusting Jesus and be made right with Him. Because He died for your sin. He took care of your sin. He died as the hater of God. How does that make sense? That's such love on display. Not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His own Son to be the wrath-absorbing propitiation for our sin. This is how we have true, abiding, lasting peace. It matters, not just for a moment, but for all of eternity. Let's pray. Well, God, you are an amazing God who made all things, who sustains all things. You're perfect in all of your ways, but yet, God, in our rebellion, we say no. We say you're not perfect. We insist on our own way. And God, that shows our hatred of you, our distrust of you. God, we're so thankful for the gospel of peace. We're so thankful for Christ who came to reconcile sinners, to pay the price so that we may be made right with you. That he would stand on our behalf as a God-hater and die. And absorb all that was due in punishment. So that we could stand at access to you, at peace with you, in love with you. God, we thank you for this gospel and pray that each of us has truly embraced this gospel. That we have come, that we have not waited, we have not expected something else. We have not just said, I'll do it one day. But God, we have come and we have trusted that Jesus is our only way of peace. And that through him we rejoice. And through him we have hope. And through him we have peace. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.